you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Welcome to The Press Zone on this day after Labor Day. Can you believe We've reached, we, we have Memorial Day, Victoria Day, Canada Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day. They've all come and gone. The summer has passed us by. It's hard to believe. But we're happy you're here today. Welcome to the Press Zone. I am your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And I'm joined every week by my tremendous co-host, the one and only Rick Stevens, our founder and editor-in-chief here at Rocket Sports. And hello, and how are you? I'm doing well. And not only are the um, the holidays flying by, the playoffs are flying by. We're already into round three. The conference finals. Just four remaining. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and the hockey's been pretty good. The hockey's been pretty good. The hockey's been pretty good. I think Flyers fans were pretty pleased with the trouncing that the Islanders got uh, last night. Ooh, yeah. I think Flyers fans also wished that I, I, that might have been... How Tam- come the Flyers Tam- couldn't do that? Well, uh, Tampa Bay may have put up more goals in that game than the Flyers did the whole series. I'm not... I'd have to actually go back and look. <laughs> I joke. I joke. I joke. I'm getting used to this, you know, without fans business. Uh-oh. Yeah. I do miss the, the banging on the, the glass. Yeah, no, right. I don't I think miss. I mentioned the, that before. I don't banging miss the banging on the, on the glass and Habs fans. I do not miss fluorescent green neon yellow green jacket guy. You miss um, the ole ole. I don't miss ole. I don't. Um, but it, I just I miss the uproar of of the crowd when big things happen. But it's. It's weird how you become accustomed, well, and baseball in particular, how it's just so commonplace to see cardboard cutouts of people now. <laughs> like, not, not just commonplace, anybody? just like that it's like normal. Um, I haven't recognized anybody. I do like the Phillies have the entire Flyers team in a, oh, wow. in a section together. Huh. I, think, I think the Eagles might be there as well. So it's like Claude Giroux and Voracek. There's a there's a picture of gritty posing. Well, well maybe maybe them. that was the problem that that Giroux and Konechny and Voracek now, were sitting now, in the now. and it was cardboard characters on the ice now, against the Islanders. Now, maybe now, now maybe they went to Game Seven they, without those guys. They went to Game Seven. That was the amazing well, part. Well, they they kind of they sh- they kind of showed up there in Game Six pretty well. <clears throat> But we're going to get to that. We will get to that. Uh, in fact, in the first segment, we're first going to talk about the Montreal Canadiens, uh, who have 
made some waves again in this past week with a uh, a new acquisition in the goaltending depth chart uh, that we're going to discuss. They've also re-signed Lucas Vedamo, so we're going to talk about that as well. And then in the second segment, yes, we're going to get to the Philadelphia Flyers and kind of wrap up uh, this series that they had against the Islanders that came oh so close, but not quite enough. Uh, We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about... um, Oscar Lindblom coming back and actually playing in that series for two games, which mm. was just astounding. Uh, and so it also means with round two, the 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 uh, conference semifinals over, we're going to announce the results of mine and Rick's round two predictions, take a look at the standings in the prediction race, and of course, officially announce our predictions for the conference finals, which were locked in before conference finals play began. Uh, And then finally, in the third segment, we're going to go beyond the playoffs, uh, just assorted other hockey news. Uh, We're going to talk about some uh, new coaching for the Penguins. Uh, There is, uh, it seems like every week we have a former Montreal Canadiens player who's uh, in the news for some new contract or new thang. So we'll uh, talk about that a little bit. Uh, Some announcements about the 2020 NHL draft. Um, And uh, then, of course, we always have a feel-good finale. And today just feels so good that we've got two. So Hmm. it's kind of fun. All right. So there you have it. Packed show today. Let's get at it. But first, I, I would be remiss if I did not say i feel like i'm stepping on your toes here but happy star trek day oh yeah today is national star trek day the very first episode of star trek aired on this date september 8th 54 years ago in 1966 there's a great um i think it's on instagram our friend dan freemuth uh formerly uh from the phantoms um, but he's, he's, uh, he's a great media guy and, um, mm-hmm. he's, uh, for, for this day, he's sitting in the, I don't know where he was on some sort of set, oh. uh, sitting in, um, the captain's, uh, oh. chair of whatever, whatever enterprise vessel. it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so that lends the question. Do you, what's your, I mean, take your pick, either your, your favorite Star Trek, whatever character, movie, series scene whatever what's what's like your favorite most standout star trek thing anything like just when you think of star trek what's your what's your fondest memory of anything star trek oh it's got to be the rotha rotha con well uh no okay rotha con is second place oh the the um what was that what was the other one called final frontier something like that okay it was the one with um with um Christopher Plummer, uh, General Chang, I think was his name. Oh, yes. He had the eye patch <laughs> that was right. was pounded in with nails and, and a tough old bird. Yeah, that one. That that's my favorite. That is a good one. There's uh, it for me. I I love Star Trek and I love every just about every iteration of Star Trek, uh, except for the Enterprise series. I haven't dipped too much into that one. But I mean, if I had to. If I had to rank my favorite series, I'd have to say Next Generation is probably my favorite series of them all because Picard. Picard, yeah. You just you can't beat Picard. Um, but but a close second to that is the original series because there's just nothing like Captain Kirk and Spock 
and bones and the whole and and, and Ahura and I mean Ahura was phenomenal. Um all of them. They were so good. So next generation, original, and then probably Deep Space Nine and then Voyager. General Chang was um on Star Trek Six, the Undiscovered Country. The, that's right, the Undiscovered Country. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it. Happy Star Trek Day! It makes mm-hmm. me want to watch something Star Trek-y today. I do. I do enjoy the Trek. I I watched like I watched Next Generation when I was younger, but I didn't really become a Trekkie until later in adulthood. All right, and then I kind of rediscovered them and then made it my mission to watch every single episode of every single series. And I'm getting there. I still have to, I'm, I'm, I'm working on the newer series. So it's fun stuff. What's, uh, if, uh, if any of you have a Star Trek story or a favorite Star Trek thing, you should tweet us at the AHL report or at the press zone. And you should let us know Mm because we love to share in the Trekkie nerdum nerddom any kind of sci-fi stuff well yeah and then of course there's the age-old star trek or star wars which one do you like Uh, better it's hard because i love them both for completely different different reasons reasons. i know it's different product it's different product it is uh, and I wear that geek flag proudly. <laughs> All right. So first segment, Montreal Canadiens. Um, you know, Mark Bergevin has told us in the past that trades are hard. And um, he's been busy in this very short off season so far for the Montreal Canadiens. And went out and and acquired... A new backup goaltender for for Carey Price in Jake Allen, um, and of course, um, people all around Montreal fell all over themselves uh, with the brilliance of this acquisition. How desperately this acquisition was needed! Um, you can check back to multiple past episodes of this podcast of where we can talk about how it's not as dire as everyone would like you to believe. But um, I think we're at the point that we are firmly in the camp that it would be it while, while Charlie Lindgren is most certainly NHL ready, Montreal is not the city for him to do that in. And so it is time for him to find, it's time for him to find a new home. I think uh, somewhere somewhere else where where he can uh, work on some continuity. Uh, but but before I get ahead of myself, Rick, um, uh, what I've heard a lot on Twitter, people asking us on Twitter, and again, if you ever have questions throughout the week, shoot us shoot us a question on Twitter. We're happy to answer it. But the question that I've seen the most often for us this week is, okay, well, but what does this mean for Caden Primo? Um, and I think I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to guess that you're going to say that this is fine for Caden Primo. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Caden Primo is. I don't think it affects Caden uh, Primo in the least. Caden um, Primo, in my opinion, uh, listen. Last season uh, he played like a young goaltender. 
uh, you, you'd figure a, a young goaltender would play. There was moments where he looked great. There was moments that he looked terrible. Um, he went, you know, eight or ten games where, a couple of times where uh, he just couldn't stop anything. And, um, and, and that's to be expected. And, and that's why he's in the AHL to work out those kinds of things. And this past season, he, he um, had to split the net. Uh, and that was good for him. Um, next season, and um, my preference would be two seasons, would be that he is the primary goaltender in Laval, and he stays that way, that stays there until he dominates. Mm-hmm. And he's nowhere close to doing that now. Um, he, he has a lot to learn, and, and he has, uh, has to prove his consistency. Um, and, you know, I, I understand that uh, the on paper, the Montreal Canadiens, Mark Bergevin, has this schedule that, okay, well, we'll only get a goaltender that uh, has a one-year contract because by then, uh, Caden Primo will be ready and we'll just slot him in and we'll move the... And he's moving the chess pieces without really considering what's happening here. He's doing it on paper. Um, and and Caden Primo may not be ready. Um, it was the same thing that happened last year. Uh, that uh, the reason that the Canadians ended up with Keith Kincaid is that they refused to give two years to McElhinney. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and now they're back in that same uh, one-year goalie contract situation. So um, the other complicating factor is, how many games is Caden Primo going to play this year mm-hmm. uh, with the re- reduced schedule if, if the AHL gets off the ground at all? Uh, we don't know that. Um, so uh, at least a year, if not more. Um, and, and um, um, you know, it, it's going to depend on who his, his partner is going to be. I, I think it would be cruel uh, to, to put Charlie Lindgren back there. Oh, yes. Um, that, that just doesn't seem right to me. But, you know, from, from a, an organizational perspective... Uh, Charlie Lindgren has a, a year left on his contract right. before he's uh, an unrestricted free agent. Um, Michael McNiven, his contract uh, is up and he's now an RFA. So he has to be qualified if the Canadians are going to keep him. And you say, well, that's fine. Qualify McNiven and uh, send him to an e- ECHL team. Is a new ECHL team going to be launched in this kind of environment? Um, Trois-Rivières, we don't know that. Uh, that's what they'd like to do. But the other complicating factor is that the Canadians sign Vasily Demchenko. And uh, that's, the, that's the insurance policy. That's the goaltender that will likely be uh, assigned to the ECHL and, and recalled if there are injuries or, or other situations. So um, it's, it's a little bit complicated. My, my expectation is that one goaltender will, will go. And, 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 and whoever, it, it, you know, that, that falls to, uh, they shouldn't be seen as being discarded from the organization. They should be seen as being freed from the organization. Absolutely. And, and it will be um, something I'm sure that either Charlie Lindgren or Michael McNiven, McNiven would welcome. I would, I would imagine that as well. And, and folks who ha- there are plenty of Montreal Canadiens fans who maybe have only partially paid attention to the AHL franchise for the last few years, going back to, to St. John's as well, 
who would love to debate all day long about the um, NHL upside of Charlie Lindgren. Um, I'm done wasting my breath on that argument, and I don't mean that to be blunt. I simply mean it as, at this point, there is these people have tunnel vision when it comes to Charlie Lindgren because they've been told over and over and over and over over again by the Montreal media that Charlie Lindgren is just not an NHL caliber backup. Um, And then they see uh, a Charlie Lindgren who comes in and and played his prices back up this year and perhaps wasn't as successful in the net uh, as often as they would have liked to and like to be able to use him as the scapegoat when in fact we all know from the Canadians regular season that the team in front of both goaltenders, Price and Lindgren, was abysmal at best, particularly defensively. Um, But those considerations don't seem to be made for Charlie Lindgren. It's just easier to make him the scapegoat and easier to say, you know what, we need a a more experienced backup. So that's why I said at at the start of this segment, you know what, I'm fine with that being the opinion in in Montreal in general. Uh, I hope Charlie Lindgren gets a fresh start and a fresh opportunity with a team that's going to uh, give him the space and the ice that he needs to actually establish a rhythm and be the solid NHL backup goaltender that we know uh, from watching him for the last three years that he can be. The Montreal uh, Montreal uh, fan base and and the the Montreal uh, mainstream media uh, it's an echo chamber and uh, one person says something um, most times with little knowledge and you know um, Rafael Diaz is the perfect replacement for Andre Markov. One person says that and that how many times was that repeated over and mm-hmm. over and over again with with it was ludicrous. Uh, the the kinds of things that uh, are said about Charlie Lindgren uh, um, are, are are idiotic, uh, and and it's said out of ignorance. Uh, right. How many how many Montreal me- mainstream media beat reporters made their debut? Uh, they 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 donned the door for the very first time of Plas Bell last fall, uh, and that was because of of Caden Primo. Um, you know, this this group doesn't doesn't understand what's going on, doesn't have uh, good first-hand knowledge. Charlie Lindgren, I'll just say, he's done everything he's been asked to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. If he was asked more, uh, he would have given more. Um, And, you know, if you come back with, with, uh, uh, and you're quoting AHL goals against and save percentage, um, you're done. Conversation's over before it's begun. That's silly. Uh, It's absolutely silly. So, um, Listen, it's going to all sort out. Uh, there'll be one fewer goaltender um, than there is now. Um, and uh, sorry, that'd be maybe three fewer because uh, <laughs> let's not forget that, that Keith Kincaid um, oh, that's right. is still being paid mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, and well, to, was being paid to the end of the year. And of course, Steve Mason as well. Uh, so those those two will come off the books and likely one uh, one of Charlie Lindgren or Michael McNiven. And we'll see how Jake Allen works out. Now, granted, Jake Allen is not Keith Kincaid, so I expect Jake Allen to perform better than Keith Kincaid did. But keep in mind, this is the same conversation that we have had every offseason for the past three summers with the Montreal Canadiens. You know, first it's, oh, 
We've decided we're going to re-sign Antony Emi after a, a mediocre season and we'll give him another shot at being Carey's backup. Well, that didn't work out when you could have slotted Charlie Lindgren in at that point. Then last year it was, oh, we're going to sign Keith Kincaid. Never you mind about that that season he just had. That it's 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 irrelevant. Well, it turned out to be m- more than relevant. So now we're back to okay. Well, this time we're going to try with Jake Allen, who is let's he is he's a better goaltender than Jake Allen, hands down. I don't mind I don't mind the trade for who Jake Allen is um, and who he is as a goaltender. However, he is he is inconsistent. Uh, so don't expect, will, will Carey Price be able to rest for 30 to 35 games a season? We're going to find out. They thought Keith Kincaid was going to give him that. And how many did he play? Three games? Something like that. Like It, it wasn't very much. He had five starts, one win. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, listen, uh, Jake Allen um, was inconsistent as a number one goaltender. Um, last season... Uh, he showed that he can be a good partner for a young goaltender trying to establish himself. Now we're going to see whether he can be a good partner uh, for the best goaltender in the world. And and um, a little bit different situation. Uh, you know, what's, what's said about um, uh, Jake Allen uh, from the hockey community is he's not reliable. He's a great team guy. Um, he folds under pressure. Um, so it's... It's uh, will he be exposed to to that pressure or not? And and yes, he's he's um, he's had a year a solid. He had a, he's coming off of a solid year, and so expectations are high. But this is the year uh, when did you have to spend over four million dollars for a backup goaltender when there's going to be um, a huge number of of goalie move it's almost unprecedented that this number of goaltenders are going to be available um, and and in a tight market um, in a in a in a tight dollar uh, era with with uh, the coronavirus you know are are there going to be enough uh, buyers for for all of the uh, the goaltenders. I think there's going to be some bargains to be found, and and what we hear back is that uh, this was given the the track record of of Mark Bergevin and Stefan Wade. This was a panic move. Um, maybe it was. Maybe they spent too much. Maybe that'll prevent them from bringing in um, solutions to another uh, issue on the team. Um, but we'll we'll. Uh, We'll see. We'll see how this all turns out. But I thought that this was a brilliant move for Mark Bergevin because he's got so much cap space. Well, you know, and if you listen to Mark Bergevin's uh, presser, uh, he was the one that used uh, the, the the cautious, no, we have to be very careful. No, we can't be doing that. And, um, you know, they talk about $14 million of cap space. That's for 17 players only. Uh, got to sign the RFAs, and and uh, uh, that's going to take the the total under ten million dollars. Um, and 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 uh, how many times in the past five years has um, Mark Bergevin ended the season with ten million dollars in his pocket or Jeff Molson's pocket? Uh, well, um, he, he hasn't he hasn't come close to being. The Canadians haven't been a, a cap team. Uh, not even remotely close in the last five years. So it would be relative. It would be it would be earth shattering if they actually spend to the cap this season. 
Before we move on to the next topic, I'm just anecdotally going to make one more point about, as as Rick calls it, the echo chamber of of Montreal media and and, and the the way players are are portrayed and so forth. I I had to I literally laughed out loud and could not stop laughing when I saw. Um, and thankfully, I don't even remember which one it was, but there was a member of the Montre- uh, Montreal mainstream media um, reporting on on Jake Allen's press conference, who was just giddy with excitement to to be able to share on Twitter that, oh, my goodness, this is just going to be such a great tandem, Carrie Price and Jake Allen, because wouldn't you know, Jake Allen's three favorite things in the entire world, hunting, fishing and country music. That's just he's just going to get along with Carrie Price so well, and this is where I laugh and then my blood boils because if anyone got to know Charlie Lindgren and looked in his his name up in an encyclopedia, if any of you remember what those are, probably his top three interests in that order would be hunting, fishing, and country music. So uh, there there was already a guy in the locker room um, who who shared those commonalities with with Carrie Price. But go ahead, please keep trying to paint. Paint that, uh, paint that narrative because that's what's important. I'll get off my soapbox now. That was all. Our, 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 one of our favorite listeners, Kathy, is going to like that I, I put a toe onto the soapbox rant. Um, <laughs> she likes when I get on that rant box. <laughs> not quite there yet. Not, th- not quite there yet. Um, one thing that we are uh, happy to announce: uh, this was a, a good. A good move for the Canadians to make, and that is re-signing uh, Lucas Vedemo to another one-year contract. Uh, it's a two-way contract, uh, so he uh, he will be back again next year. Uh, it was a shame that we, for whatever reason, did not see him in the return to play. Whether that was his option to stay in Sweden, or or um, you know, due to coronavirus, or or fearing that he would go through all that effort and, and not make it into the lineup or whatever, whatever, or the Canadians just didn't ask him, um, whatever that is. Uh, it's, it's a shame we didn't see him into the return to play, but Rick, I'm, I'm quite pleased to see that he'll be back with the organization again. I still think Lucas Vedemo has a lot of growing to do, uh, and, and he's a, he's a tremendously skilled young man. He had a very good season last year and, um, uh, and even came up for seven games with the, with the Canadians, but, um, you know, was used, uh, around the lineup for um, uh, Laval Rocket um, was out for um, for a bit with an injury, but um, I thought he had a a very good season, a two way forward, and and yes, um, you know it wasn't clear um, why he wasn't uh, part of the return to play uh, um, roster, but uh, certainly could have helped on the on the fourth line. Uh, you know, with Claude Julian's always preaching about. Um, you know the 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 style that they play. They need to be a four line team, and uh, through the playoffs, the Canadians weren't a four line team with Belzeal, with Dale Weiss, um, and those players being restricted to under five minutes in some games. Uh, they weren't able to play the uh, you know the the style that they they like, um, and uh, I think it would have been different with a, a tandem of of um, Jake Evans and and Lucas Vedemo. I think so as well. Um, you know, Vedamo, Vedamo has shown growth in the last couple of years, um, and and I I certainly believe he he's 
he's really started to kind of mature and come into his own once he's put some size on and and really started to learn from his mistakes in the game and so forth. I mean, it's just part of it is the maturity process. Part of it is the development process. Part of it is he started his career with Jurgardens in Sweden. And so the transition to the North American game, always, as we say, always takes some time. Uh, but Lucas Vedamo is right on track. Uh, so happy to see that he'll be back for another year. I think that he's going to continue uh, that that positive upward momentum that we saw from him last year. But until then, he's going to be on loan yes. um, uh, in, the, in the Swedish league, and uh, at least he'll get the opportunity to, uh, to play. And, um, and, and so good for him there. And boy, I mean, we've, we told you probably a month and a half ago when the first contracts uh, started to happen with with AHL guys signing over in Europe. We said, you, you just watch. This is going to start to become a big trend uh, with the AHL such a question mark for this upcoming season. And boy, in the last two weeks, it is just there are probably a dozen names you see almost, oh, yeah. almost every other day who are, are, are going over to Europe. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that uh, we're going to talk about one of those players in, in the third segment, but every team is sending multiple players on loan over to Europe at this point. Uh, all right. Well, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back on the other side, it's time to break down what went ha- what happened in that Flyers Islanders series, um, what worked, what didn't, and uh, some the uplifting part of the whole thing which was Oscar Lindblom coming back to play. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today. Thank you. 
And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Radio. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And we've mentioned a couple times in that first segment about uh, folks writing into us on Twitter or asking questions or or, or asking for your responses on Star Trek Day. So again, if you're looking to uh, get in touch with us on Twitter, you want to be sure to be following us anyway. You'll find us, there's there's two great uh, sites, or two, excuse me, two great accounts for you to follow. That's at the AHL Report. And for this particular podcast, you can follow us at the Press Zone. But at the AHL Report, uh, if you're only going to follow one account, that would be the one to follow Uh, That way you'll get, that's the central location for all of our news, all of our coverage, all of our recaps, all of our articles, uh, whether they're from me or from Mike Raschel or from Chris G or whoever, whoever it may be. Uh, So you want to be sure to follow us there. And yeah, send us a question on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Although if you send us a question this week that says, why didn't the Flyers win last week? (laughs) Um... We might have a lot of answers for you that you don't want to hear. It's, uh, <laughs> um, it was uh, it was funny. I I, I um, was invited to be a, a guest on a, a another Philadelphia Flyers podcast um, last week just to do a a, a a guest interview, and and the the commentary from from them was that uh, they appreciated that because I don't only cover the Flyers, that I also cover the Habs and, and other teams as well, that it was nice to get perspective from someone in the media who doesn't just cover the Flyers. So they had they felt that our coverage is a little more outside of the sandbox kind of thing. And I was like, well, you know what? That's a really great thing to say because that's kind of what our purpose is here at the AHL Report, that we provide coverage of a lot of different teams and we try to take a very objective, we don't, you know, we don't take that home team advantage uh, media path. We try to be objective about everything. So uh, when it comes to the breaking down this flyer series, Rick, uh, you know, we're going to have to be brutally honest here. All right. I'm up for it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as we know, um, you know, the flyers were on the brink of elimination last Tuesday when, when we were, when we were here last time and miracle of miracles, they managed to, push it to a game seven after two overtime victories in game five and six. One of them was a double overtime victory. Um, certainly made for ex- an exciting, it ended up being a, an exciting series. The hockey wasn't always exciting, but but those last three games, okay, I take that back. Game five and six were pretty exciting. Game seven was a complete disaster to watch uh, if you were a Philadelphia fan. Um, because they just didn't show up, and it was obvious Elaine Vigneault was was very disappointed in their performance that night. But Rick, it was, you know, let's start with with what didn't work because I think those are kind of the obvious, maybe the more obvious components of of what contributed to the Flyers not advancing to the conference final. Well, it's it's really funny because the Flyers, as we know, were on a on a roll um, at the this one of one of the best teams. Uh, the Flyers and, and Vegas were uh, the two best teams in the league when the, the the season was paused. Then the Flyers come back and and in the um, uh, round robin they they cruise through that. 
Um, and then against Montreal uh, now, and I, I, I know we've got some people on, on, uh, on Twitter that are, are harassing, um, uh, Flyers fans, Habs fans, that is, uh, saying, you know, that, that the Canadians just didn't get the bounces, but that they were the better team. They outplayed the Flyers. They didn't, it, 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 it wasn't even close. Uh, but the Flyers, I thought played really poorly in the Montreal series. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the whole, uh, you know, your, your top line, your top six, uh, didn't have a, a power play. Carter Hart was inconsistent, um, up and down. And, uh, so the fact that they, they got through that round and then we're able to take the Islanders uh, to seven games when um, the engine was sputtering, um, you know, is remarkable uh, and and should say a lot about the potential of, of the Flyers, I think. Um, but it seemed that, that uh, Alain Vigneault recognized um, that his team just, was, just didn't have it. And so there was all these injections of emotion and certainly against the... Uh, the Canadian, he, you know, he was the, he painted himself as the villain, but he did that to spark some emotion in his team. Similarly in, in, um, the, the Islanders series. Um, so it, it's, um, it's, it's curious why, um, you know, you, you got very little from Konechny and Giroux and Voracek and Couturier and JVR, um, uh, you know, Derek Grant. Now, now these are, the, the these are there's lesser expectations, but Derek Grant didn't play well on defense. The the the, the third pairing, whether it was Braun and Hag or or Gossa Spirit, they were none of them played well. And and uh, um, Carter Hart played like a young goaltender, looked brilliant at times, uh, looked very beatable, and and getting beaten uh, from bad angles at other times. So um, it's really curious, and I keep saying. Um, and it's coming from different uh, different areas of the country, from different commentators. That uh, maybe it's time, maybe it's time for a, a change at the top, uh, and that is the top of the the player pyramid uh, in Philadelphia, and and to break up that Voracek Giroux uh, led team and and allow space, allow some new blood in there, um, and we'll see we'll see if. Uh, Chuck Fletcher goes to that extent in the offseason or he liked the team well enough and, and just, um, you know, uh, blames the the not, not living up to their potential on this on the particular circumstances of a covid year. Absolutely. You know, it's I tend I. I tend to mm, lean a little conservatively on my estimation of, of how Fletcher will handle that. I think that. Um, and we'll get into this more on the second half of this question when we talk about the things that that went well for the Flyers in the playoffs. But I, I think that there were enough positives to take out of this season and this playoffs postseason time that I don't know that Chuck Fletcher is quite gonna gonna be quick to pull the uh, I have to get rid of one of my my two big names yet. Um, I think there's going to be some other restructuring that happens, but I don't, he, they're not in desperation mode yet. And we'll we'll get to that um, in just a moment. I just want to agree with you first, while we're still on the, what, what, what happened? Why did they not get to the advancement? I agree with you on everything you said. Um, The biggest gaping issue was that 
the top end didn't perform like a top end. Um, you know, practically no uh, offensive scoreboard production from from all of those players you named: Giroud, JVR, Konechny, uh, Voracek, um, Couturier. Um, and it wasn't until Game Six that they started to look like the guys that played in the regular season that helped to get them there. Um, that was a big issue, and it's going to be one whenever the Flyers get around to having their post mortem, which they haven't done yet, um, which is kind of interesting that you know Vigneault did not meet with the media uh in in Toronto again the day after they were eliminated they simply went straight home uh and they have not reconvened with the media again so uh one of the common themes of Vigneault's post-game presser the night that they were eliminated was you know I'm going to take a pass on that question because I really need to process everything um and and it was obvious that he took this elimination and that loss very much to heart um, and so I think he's taking some time to really evaluate what went wrong. And there's going to need to be some answers to why those guys didn't produce. Uh, again, as you mentioned, Rick, the power play, I agree. Um, the power play was, I think they had one one goal, two goals on the power, in, on the power play in the entire return to play. Um, just not good enough you've got special teams has to be working in the postseason if you if you plan to advance and and last but not least because of the way as you mentioned they 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 were sputtering by the time they got to the Islanders series Uh, when they played against the Canadians they did not play up to their potential they did not handle the Canadians the way that they should have been able to and then they stumbled into the Islanders series and immediately get shut out in the first game which puts them you know game two game three they they got themselves down so early that they had to have two of their biggest games back to back game five game six uh which meant all of them all of the emotion all of the motivation all of the energy leaving it all out on the ice and then both of those games get taken to overtime one of which is a double overtime there was nothing left in the tank for game seven and it was obvious from they made it about five or six minutes into game seven where they actually looked pretty decent. And then they had one goal against, and that was it. They were done. There was no coming back. Um, and those are the, those, those right there as you, you know, so Rick, we're, we're on the same page with, with what went wrong. And it's, um, it's a shame that they couldn't get to the conference final, but let's be honest, folks, uh, they wouldn't have lasted long against Tampa Bay if they had continued to play they, the way they did against the Canadians and against the Islanders. So on the flip side of that, there were a lot of positives, though, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll let you go. For, what, what were the things that you noticed from from both the season and the postseason that you feel that the Flyers can take away and say, OK, this this was a mark. This was a check in in the OK, in the positives column. Uh, in the playoffs, um, they seem to get all the bounces. They got all the calls. They got all the bounces. I don't know how that worked out uh, in in uh, in both the playoff series, but they did. And, um, you know, even even the uh, the Flyers commentators were were admitting that beyond the the uh, puck luck. And, and um, you can credit that to Michelle Terrian on the bench, I'm sure. Um, I, I think um, overall. 
goaltending was was not an issue. There were some moment, moments, as I said, Carter Hart looked like a young goaltender at times. Um, and I, with the issues that, that uh, the Flyers have had over the years in goaltending, you know, he was... Um, he was praised probably more than he deserved, and at some point, his performances are going to catch up with that hype uh, because he has the potential, and you can see it. Uh, but when he was faltering or when he needed a break, Brian Elliott came in, and Brian Elliott looked great um, and uh, provided them exactly what with what they needed. And so goaltending, I thought, was was good. Um, defense, Provorov and... and mm-hmm. Um, Myers and Sanheim, uh, the top three, they, I thought they were for a young, um, offensive, uh, a defensive group. I thought they, uh, they played very well. Um, Scott Lawton took a while to, uh, to work things out, but I thought he had a decent playoff. Uh, Pitlick, I thought looked, looked pretty good. Um, so I think I think there was uh, there was a lot to to praise there, and of course, um, you know the the shining moment was uh, the most memorable mo- moment was was Oscar Lindblom, and and um, you know when he he came into the uh, w- there was one game where he he was in the warm up and didn't play, and we thought that was you know an emotional gimmick, and maybe it was, and and um, but when he came in and and played. Uh, he was worthy of being in the lineup. That's remarkable for him to uh, be able to get in in game shape on his own in a very short period of time, uh, as well as overcoming the the um, um, the illness. And and uh, I mean, he was he he was terrific when when he was forced out of the lineup. Um, and um, yeah, sure, he was uh, you know. Uh, he wasn't necessarily at that level when he returned, but he was uh, he was worthy of of taking a place uh, in the lineup. I'm so I agree with um, with the things that you've mentioned there um, as as far as the things that went well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of back up a little bit and 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 add my two cents to to some of that from the from the beginning of what you said there. You know, um, the defense. You mentioned particularly, you know, Provorov, Myers, Sanheim. That to me all goes in hand in hand with the fact that in this season and in this in this postseason in particular, the youth of the Flyers really stepped up. Um, and and Provorov, I know he doesn't look like a young man anymore because of that caveman beard that he's got <laughs> going on these days, uh, but but he's still young. Uh, Myers and Sanheim. Very young. Joel Farabee did a decent job. Um, when Connor Bunneman was called on to to come in and play, he did a good job. Um, you know, so the the youth and the future of the Flyers all took it upon themselves and 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 kind of put some responsibility on their own shoulders, and they stepped up when the when the top guys couldn't. Um, I think that's very encouraging for the Flyers. Um, and it goes hand in hand, Rick, with what you were saying a little earlier, that some are speculating, uh, do either Giroux or Voracek need to be moved to make room for some of these up-and-coming young players on the team so that to give them a little more room to grow we'll see if that happens it is it is a possibility we'll see if chuck fletcher is going to do that already um i know there's you know moral victories take them or leave them 
But Flyers fans also need to remember that this is the farthest that the Flyers have gotten in the postseason since 2012. Um, And that's no small thing. It's been eight years since they made it to the second round, to the conference semifinals. So for this being the first year that Elaine Vigneault took over behind the bench to get them farther in the postseason than they have in eight years and do so in a in a pandemic year with a giant pause in between the regular season and the postseason as well as once they get to the postseason they don't just sit back and in the round robin they go from the fourth seed to the first seed um i think those are all things that need to be acknowledged and are great um focuses to remind ourselves that uh this is going to be a team that continues to grow uh in the future you mentioned scott lawton um i do think that you know, he it took him a little while in, in, in these playoffs to really come into his own. I like the fact that I think Elaine Vigneault found something when he moved him to center. Um, I know the Flyers don't necessarily need center depth per se, but having the ability to move to be able to move Scott Lawton into center and have him be productive when called upon uh, is and gonna- more consistent. And yes, absolutely, and more consistent is going to be something that's very important for them moving forward. Um, so lots of positives to take from this. No, it's not the result Flyers fans wanted, but I think overall uh, a, a remarkable season for the Flyers and a remarkable first year for Elaine Vigneault and and and. I was going to say all everyone else behind the bench, uh, Michelle Terrian's power play has got to, <laughs> he's going to have to work on that. But the last thing that you mentioned was Oscar Lindblom. And yes, I mean, if you're going to take one, th- I and I think not even just as Flyers fans, I think hockey across the board, if there's one thing that you could rally around, it's that not only did Oscar Lindblom come to the bubble, finish cancer treatments and come to the bubble just to be part of the Black Aces squad and and start practicing with the team again to make it back and play two games is nine months, not even nine months after his diagnosis is, is absolutely hands down remarkable. Um, And Rick, the emotion that night when the and the flyers made sure they they announced it early that night um they had barely gotten onto the ice for warm-ups and they had a tribute video out saying he's in and the emotion was just palpable mm-hmm. a, a, everywhere across the league um and the islanders joined in with the the flyers in acknowledging um him on the ice absolutely social and and uh you heard the Islanders head coach after it was he he talked nonstop about uh, um, uh, Oscar Lindblom. Barry, yeah, Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz. In, yeah. in uh, after the elim- the day after or that night after they were eliminated, they yeah. eliminated them. Uh, that was what the first thing that he said was was credit to Oscar Lindblom. It's it's a remarkable thing what Oscar Lindblom was able to do um, when he was diagnosed back in December. Everyone was afraid for for his health, for his life, but a lot of people said were also uh, sad for his career because the question was, will we ever see Oscar Lindblom play hockey again? 
I don't think anyone could have ever imagined that less than nine months later, yes, we would see him play. And he didn't look out of place. He didn't look slow. He didn't, as you said, he he wasn't necessarily in the same form that he was when he went out in December. But he certainly was a part of that team and and has obviously worked very hard physically uh, to get himself ready. So it's going to be exciting to have Oscar Limbaugh back again. So with the round two over, it means we have predictions to discuss. All right. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm uh, fine. I'm, I'm great. How are you doing? I mean, in your predictions. I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's recap here. At the end of round one... Rick was lead, and again, we're not going to. Um, I can give a class on the mathematics. No, we're not giving a, a, a master's thesis on the mathematics no? behind our scoring system All here. Right. But at the end of round one, Rick had a Rick had twenty one commanding lead. Rick had a marginally decent twenty one point five points. Uh, I had an even fifteen, so he had a six and a half point lead. After the second round, uh, neither one of us got any points for the Dallas-Colorado series. Um, for Vegas versus Vancouver, you didn't get any points for that. I shut out in the West. You got <laughs> shut out in the West. Yeah. I did take, uh, I took Vancouver in, in five, I'm sorry, I took Vegas in five. Obviously that went to seven, but I did get Vegas correct. Uh, we did both get New York uh, the New York Islanders, correct. We both thought they were going to do it in six. It went to seven. Um, and then I got a big goose egg for the Boston-Tampa Bay series because I thought Boston was actually going to try to put up a fight and that they would win in seven. But in fact, you got... Uh, Black. Yeah. There's another great Montreal Canadiens goaltender <laughs> uh i had boston in seven you had tampa bay in six so that meant that for the second round we were actually very close in points on the second round uh you had seven points i had 6.5 so you only beat me in the second round by half a point um so that does still mean that you have a lead you've mm -hmm. just extended it by half a point so right. you have 28.5 points I have 21.5 points. So you are seven points ahead of me heading into round three. So conference finals. Tampa Bay Lightning versus New York Islanders. Now, don't forget, we did lock these picks in before games started in this, in this round. So Tampa Bay versus New York Islanders. Who do you have? Now, I had Tampa in seven, but <laughs> after seeing last night, it could be Tampa in four if that's... <laughs> well, wow. we, we'll both be in the same boat because I also took Tampa in seven. So um, we'll see what Barry Trotz can do with that crew uh, for game two. Uh, now, Dallas-Vancouver. Uh, why do I keep saying Vancouver? Dallas-Vegas-Golden Knights. Uh, who do you have in that one? Vegas in six. Ooh. I have Dallas in six. All right. So we have the same exact picks for Tampa Bay. And Dallas is up one nothing in the series. So, uh, yeah. We'll have to see here. We'll have to see. So 
He's still in the lead, folks, but he only gained half a point on me in that second round. So I'm coming in with a vengeance here in, in the conference finals. We'll see what happens. We will see what happens. We will also see what else we have in store for you on the other side of our next commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, one of those European contracts we mentioned, as well as uh, some coaching updates uh, and a little bit of news about the NHL draft for this year. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. And we are back here on the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Radio. Thanks so much for joining us once again. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, and joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, if you have any questions or you just want to chat about hockey throughout the week, be sure you're following us at the AHL Report. You could also follow us at the Press Zone, which is this podcast's dedicated Twitter account. And for you Flyers fans, we also have a dedicated Twitter account for you as well. That can be found at the Flyers Report. Be sure you're following. You don't want to miss anything. Uh, One thing we did want to mention as far as coaching news is that um, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins are going to be in need of a new one now. Uh, upon the announcement that uh, under um, 
Mike Sullivan's tenure with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Todd Reardon and Mike Vellucci have now uh, joined him as assistant coaches for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So Mike Vellucci going from winning the Calder Cup in Charlotte two seasons ago, left Charlotte after winning the Calder to become the head coach for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins for one year and now has been promoted to NHL assistant coach. Rick, I think you predicted that. I think I did. Um, I, I, I just said that that there was a shorter path um, in Pittsburgh uh, for in the Pittsburgh organization for him to get to the NHL. And um, and that's exactly what's happened. And Pittsburgh has done, you know, we, we talk quite frequently about how the AHL is not just a development league for, league for players, uh, that that extends to coaches and staff and officials and, and you name it. Um, and it's interesting to note that now all three, Sullivan, Reardon, and Vellucci, at one point or another, all served as head coach of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. So the Penguins organization is doing a great job uh, at at promoting from within, and uh, that goes a long way towards uh, towards creating consistency throughout with your system throughout your organization. And we know that uh, Pittsburgh, um, Jimmy Rutherford fired the assistants. Um, at uh, in their disappointment uh, in their loss to the Canadians, uh, Jacques Martin. Jacques Martin has since gone to the Rangers, mm-hmm. and uh, Mark Recchi. And and we heard today that Mark Recchi is on his way to New Jersey as an assistant. That's right. So all staying in the Metro, <laughs> just finding new homes. <laughs> um, also, we mentioned in previous segments. Uh, all of the players that are heading over to Europe uh, to at least begin this next season so that they can keep their uh, stay in game shape and so forth. And and Rick, there is uh, another familiar name that has just signed a kind of temporary short-term contract overseas. That's true. Uh, Familiar name, uh, Dan Carr. And um, no, this isn't the, the end of Dan Carr's uh, career in North America. He's just uh, looking for an opportunity to play. So he signed a short-term uh, contract with the possibility of an extension uh, so that he can come back or if uh, if need be, he'll stay a little bit extra and uh, and keep his game shape up. Absolutely. So he pl- he uh, signed with Lugano in, the, in, in Italy. Um, interesting, I liked in the release... Uh, this is what the GM had to say about Dan Carr. Because a lot of, you know, Dan Carr was one of those people when he left the Canadians organization, he was one of those uh, that they they didn't transition Dan Carr well uh, on their attempts to transition over to the NHL. And Rick, that's something you talk about quite often is is the ability to trans transition prospects from the AHL to the NHL. Dan Carr had difficulty with that transition and, and, doesn't take anything away from from what a good player Dan Carr is. He really, truly is. Uh, and and the GM for the new team that he just signed with said, quote, Daniel is a complete forward who can play both winger and center. He is a very combative, aggressive player, a hard worker, very dangerous in front of the goal. We know that. Remember, people mm-hmm. used to, to liken Dan Carr to Brandon Gallagher. Gallagher's uh-huh. kind of style of play. 
For the past two seasons, he's been the team's top scorer with both the Chicago Wolves and the Milwaukee Admirals. I'm sure he will be able to give us a great hand. So it's all in perspective. Uh, you know, Dan Carr, as as you say, Rick, this is not the end of us seeing Dan Carr uh, and good for him in getting getting a contract to to play a little bit here at the beginning of the season. Lots of signings in, in Europe. Um, you know, we expect that Dale Weiss, uh, who's had conversations with folks in Switzerland, we expect that that he'll uh, be playing in, in Europe uh, soon, sooner, not later. Um, and that's kind of a guy who's at the end of his NHL career, who's uh, looking to extend his, his hockey playing time. But there's others like... Uh, Alexander Texier uh, with Columbus, who's gone over to play in Kelpa. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Evan Bouchard, um, you know, at, at the beginning of his career with Edmonton, and he's gone over to to Sweden. So th- you're going to see a lot of of movement. Uh, some it means uh, you won't be seeing them uh, much again. Uh, maybe that applies to Charles Houdon. We don't know. His mm-hmm. agent said. Um, this weekend, there's no place for Charles in the in the Montreal Canadiens organization. So, um, um, but 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 when you see those signings, consider that there's there's two reasons for that happening. Absolutely, that is a very good point. And we will continue to keep you uh, informed as more players continue this trend. Um, as uh, the European leagues are getting started, the the KHL is underway. Um. <laughs> with plenty of controversy already, you know, Jokerit uh, had to forfeit their first game because they were told it was okay to postpone their first game against uh, Minsk in Belarus because of the civil unrest there. And and then the KHL said, well, no, actually, you're going to forfeit the game because you didn't show up. So plenty, there's, there's hockey happening, trust me, and there's plenty of drama to go along with it. Uh, One quick note about the 2020 NHL draft. It is going to happen sooner than you thought it was going to. It was originally scheduled. uh, The NHL had some tentative dates around October, I think, 9th and 10th. Uh, And it was just announced today. Elliot Friedman had had a note that it looks like it's moving up now. And the first round will take place on October 6th with the remaining rounds on October 7th. Um, Projection is that it's just simply that the NHL is, is now re-estimating when the Stanley Cup playoffs will be over. And, and so they, they were able to move that or shuffle that around. So for now, it looks like the NHL draft will take place October 6th and 7th. That's in a month. Hmm. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just goes so quickly. You know, one thing I do want to say before we get to our feel-good finale Um we talked in the first segment about the Canadians acquiring Jake Allen, uh, the merits of the trade, the merits of Jake Allen's play, uh, and what that does to the goaltending depth uh, in in the Canadians organization. And we talked about how you know there's there's an outlook on these things from inside the Montreal bubble, and then there's an, an outlook from outside. Um, and and we appreciate hearing those outside voices because sometimes they, you know, hearing from people who looking at things from the outside give a sometimes more objective or or clearer or different perspective. And so, I want to make a note that uh, if you haven't 
listen to the most recent episode of Rick and Joe Whalen's uh, Canadians Connection podcast from last Saturday, uh, please do so uh, for a number of reasons we're going to get to in a moment. But um, in relation to this, Rick, you had a great interview with our friend uh, Mike Agello, and uh, he came on to talk to you about this topic about Jake Allen and the trade. Listen, there's lots of, of discussion. There's lots of podcasts, uh, lots of fans uh, talk. And, and in most quarters, you're going to hear that, that echo chamber. Th- people saying the same things and just reinforcing uh, what they've heard. What we try to do, we, we, we've always tried to do it at Rocket Sports, and, and particularly on the Canadians Connection, Joe and I try to look at things and we poke at it from all different angles. And to do that, to help us do that, uh, and with respect to the Jake Allen trade, um, we not only, um, you know, we reach out to, to our contacts, but we hear of, uh, from people, um, analysts from other markets. And, and Michael Jello gave a great perspective of things that we're hearing other people say, not said in the Montreal market, but uh, th- questions that, that they're posing. So terrific interview by um, um, Michael Jello. And uh, it was... Um, kind of a, a, a looking at the the trade from a different perspective that than you might hear uh, anywhere else. Absolutely, you did a great interview with him, so I highly recommend folks go to um, go to the the very last uh, Canadians Connection podcast and check that out. But there's another more important reason too that you want to hear that podcast because I have to say on behalf of all of us here at the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media, another congratulations to you and Joseph. That episode also happened to be your 100th episode of Canadians Connection. Round of applause for everyone. Uh, congratulations. It was a, on a, it's a great achievement, and it was a terrific show. Boy, it was fun, and it was, it was uh, really touching to have the whole team uh, participate, and we got messages from... Uh, all of the team member Chris and yourself and Kate and 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 Mike and um, it was um, Joe and I were really touched and and um, his parents brought in <laughs> brought in a, <laughs> a cake for us and and uh, and then we had a couple still of still waiting uh, for my piece to arrive yeah for sure um, we had uh, a couple of uh, of hockey players uh, chime in as well uh, and there was uh, you know they they were uh, uh, really, um, it, it was really touching for both Joe and I to hear from from them as well that they took the time to uh, um, uh, recognize the the hundredth anniversary. Absolutely, uh, the hundredth episode. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so the big mystery. Dun dun dun. What do you mean, hockey players? Well, that's the other reason. Go list. Go check out. You know, we always encourage you to listen to the Canadians Connection if you're a Habs fan. But uh, there were some special messages from two hockey players that uh, people who've been listening to this podcast for a while will be familiar with. And if you're a Canadians fan uh, or an AHL fan, you'll you'll recognize those messages as well. So uh, congratulations again. So Rick, if people want to listen to that episode or other episodes of the Canadians Connection or back episodes of this podcast, where can they go to do all of those things? CanadiansConnection.com. CanadiansConnection.com. For this podcast, ThePressZone.com. ThePressZone.com. Uh, go to either of those two places and you will you can uh, access any of the, the archived episodes of the two podcasts. That or 
Also, if you go to your favorite podcast platform, whether it's iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Overcast, you name it, just type in Rocket Sports Radio or look for The Press Zone or look for Canadians Connection. But Rocket Sports Radio should take you uh, to our listings and uh, make sure you subscribe as well so that, you know, subscribe, hit your notification button so that you never miss an episode. Uh, We certainly love having you here each and every week. And we will continue to have plenty of news every week uh, from now until whenever the next season starts. Uh, Well, there there will be plenty of things for you to come back here for every week. Uh, So, Rick, before we head out, a quick feel-good finale. Calling this puppy power because it's just tremendous. Uh, there's a little man, a young man named Bentley. He's two years old, and he was, uh, when he was born, he was born with a very severe cleft lip. Uh, and at two years old, he's undergone a number of surgeries to repair his cleft lip. Um, and, you know, it's as anyone who who is familiar with cleft lip, cleft uh, palate, uh, it takes a long time, uh, and it's, it's a disability that... Um, you know, takes takes a while to either enduring a lot of surgeries or or therapy and things of that nature to to help them uh, get through that. Well, this young man at two years old, Bentley, his dad went to the local animal shelter because he thought he was going to go adopt a couple of chickens that they had at the animal shelter, uh, and I guess they needed some chickens. Instead, they find a two-month-old puppy who has a cleft lip. And immediately, mom and dad said, we have to have, and he's the, he is the cutest little guy. Um, Mom and dad said, well, we have to have, we have to. And so introduced Bentley to the puppy and Bentley loves the puppy. And the fact that Bentley's puppy looks, you know, has the same has faced, you know, same challenges and, and, and he has this commonality. Uh, everyone is just Bentley's over the moon. He has a new best friend, uh, someone that, that kind of looks like him a little bit. And, 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 uh, it's just a really heartwarming story. We like that a lot. Very nice. It is very nice. And it's funny because the animal shelter folks said, you know, we don't, it's not something you see very often that dogs that are born with a cleft lip, but little, little guy has a little bit of cleft lip. Um, and I will leave you with this. If you have, just go and Google man playing watermelon synthesizer. That's all I'm going to say. Just go Google it. Watch the video. It's incredibly hilarious and quite amazing. Um, and that'll do it. Rick, this was a great episode. Um, great episode. Hope you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. And um, we'll see. We'll see what happens this week. We'll see uh, how those predictions go. And just uh, for our listeners in the U.S., um, we'll take time, uh, those of us in Canada, to acknowledge uh, that September 11th is uh, is coming up in the next few days. Uh, the 19th year, it hard, hardly even seems possible. No. Um, one year away from the 20th anniversary, and uh, we will be thinking about you on that day. We appreciate that. It is a, it's a, it's a momentous uh, occasion every year to, to stop and remember those that we lost on 9-11. So thank you for that. Uh, for all of you, stay safe, stay healthy, uh, wash your hands, wear your mask, and enjoy hockey the rest of this week. We'll see you back here for another great episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. 
visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.